Hello, my name is Joe. Welcome to today's show. Today I want to talk to you about communication, parenting, feelings, validation, all the great things that are going on uh, when we try to communicate with people we love. We see the examples that we're going to talk about today in business and parenting, and we're going to talk about how to fix it. The other day I was at the gym and someone said to me, hey, you're a counselor, right? And I will admit to you, I have learned to be somewhat uh, leery of that as an opening conversation line. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a counselor. Why? What's up? And, and she said, well, my son is 18 and he, fill in the blank, is engaging in this activity uh, that we don't support. And I said, oh, well, what, what did you tell him? And she said, well, I told him we don't do those politics around here, that the issue was around politics. It wasn't a moral issue. It was more politics. And I said, well, there's your problem. Today, we're going to talk about what her problem was, probably something that has come up in your life. Even if you don't have kids and you work with people, if you're around people at all, all the principles we're going to talk about today with kids works with anybody. It's peer-to-peer as well. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. Okay, so let's talk about communication and connected communication. One of the things that my wife and I talk a lot about as therapists is we see a lot of clients who have communication, but they don't have connected communication, right? Almost everybody comes in. The age-old joke amongst therapists is, especially therapists that do uh, couples counseling, is that every couple you meet, their problem is communication. And we all laugh about that a little bit because it could be anything, you know, one of them's had seven affairs in four years, but their problem is communication. One of them is violent, but the problem is communication. One of them has a substance abuse issue, but their problem is communication. And of course, this is so because to some extent, their problem is communication, regardless of what the issue is. But there's, there's a deeper problem, and that is they lack connected communication. One of the things that often happens is somebody says something and they're told, no, that's not right. And when that happens, there's a loss of connected communication. I myself have been guilty of this. I think about one time uh, I I was an AD for five years and I sat down and talked to the cheerleading coach and I said, what are your needs? How can we help you? And the first seven things she said, I said, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. Which was the accurate answer, but it wasn't connected communication. The parent that I met at the gym, she said, what do you mean? There's my problem. I said, the problem isn't your son. It's the fact that you communicate to him in a way that isn't connected. You don't have emotional security in your connection. You just shut him down. Well, what does that mean? Well, there's a really interesting book that I've been reading called Integrity by Dr. Henry Cloud. Most of the time when we think about integrity, we think about ethics. And he puts a unique spin on it. He says it's not just ethics. In the end, integrity is the ability to get the job done when life arises, whatever the job is. In this woman's case, it's parenting. And my job as an AD, it was, you know, running the sports programs, et cetera, et cetera. And so as he talks about that, he gives some really good illustrations about what connectedness is. He talks about a CEO that took over a company. Two companies were merged, uh, two CEOs to choose from. One is kind of known as a hard charger, get things done but he wasn't an overly nice guy. The other guy's a nice guy, very analytical, and that's the guy that they went with. And evidently, Cloud was hired as a consultant to sit in for the merger meetings 
as they're talking, the, 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 the questions come up and the CEO literally just kind of says, well, that won't be a problem. That won't be a problem. That won't be a problem. Essentially, because I don't think it'll be a problem, which isn't really a reason. And he thought it went really well. Cloud didn't because Cloud said you lost connection with the people in the room. Cloud goes on to tell uh, or share that the, the CEO was gone within a year and that the company languished under his leadership. I don't know if it was all because he didn't have connected communication, but certainly that would be part of it. And so one of the things that we have to decide is what is our definition of listening and understanding? Uh, in the book, Cloud says this, true listening and understanding occurs only when the other person understands that you understand. I see this all the time with parents. They, they, they're teaching their kids. It's easy when they're little. They're moving their kids through the, through the different stages of life, you know, and, and it's, it's going good. And then their kids get older and they start to get values that aren't their own. That, or that are their own, they're not their parents. And rather than engaging the conversation, their parents say, well, that's not how we do it here. Or that's not your value. That isn't our family value, blah, blah, blah. Instead of listening, we just had this happen in our, in our car the other night. We're driving home from an event and I, and I have a rule uh, that my kids are not allowed to go places where they're not allowed to have their phone on them. Uh, that doesn't mean they have to have it out. That doesn't mean they have to be engaged on it, but it has to be on their person or they can't go. And I found out that my kids were someplace that I voluntarily take them where the phone is removed a short distance away. And I was like, that's just not how it's going to work. You need to have it on you. And my daughter disagreed with me. She's like, I don't, I just think that's silly. And my wife was with us and she's like, okay, tell me more about that. There's a key phrase. Tell me more about that. What's going on? How did you come to that view? Right. Well, what Cloud is essentially talking about here is emotional intelligence and understanding our children. I had a woman come to me and tell me, my son wants to do this thing. Not the woman at the gym. This is a different woman. And it was very different from what they had raised their son to want to do. And I told him we don't do those things here. And I said, well, wait, did you ask him why he wanted to do it? What's the physical payoff? What's the emotional payoff? What's the uh, mental payoff. What's the cost? Certainly teach him to measure the cost, but did you ask him why he wants to do it? Did you try to gain understanding into his emotional state as to why he would want to engage in something that you've taught him you don't believe in? Maybe he thinks your actions don't match your stated message. Now life gets painful. Think about it like this. You're at a restaurant. In fact, this is an illustration right out of the book, but I think everybody can relate to it. I was going to change a little bit, make it my own, but we can just go with his. You're at a restaurant, your soup's cold, you call the server over and you're like, excuse me, my soup's cold. The server says, oh my goodness, is it really? That's awful. Let me heat it up for you. I'm so sorry. And walks away. The other one says, no, it isn't. I just tasted it before I brought it out to you. I felt it. It was warm in my hand. Maybe you let it sit here too long. They argue with you about what's going on. It's not helpful. <laughs> it's not connected listening. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. Even if the person let it sit there. Now, we all know, well, wait a second, Joe, what if we disagree? Here's the thing, I'm not saying you can't disagree. It's in how you disagree. Are you trying to understand what they're experiencing first? Which one brings connection? Well, what if I think my kids are going to do something that's destructive? Tell them that after you connect in your, in your listening with them. After you have connected communication. After you find out what they're feeling and essentially engage in what we call the mirror method. So you're saying that you believe in this because blah, blah, blah. So you're saying that you feel this because blah, blah, blah. Whatever it is, you're constantly trying to understand the what and the why. Oh, so you're saying 
that you believe you should vote for Trump. That's what the woman at the gym, her son, her son is a Trump supporter. And she just doesn't, she can't believe that. And I was like, well, did you ask him why? No. <laughs> Maybe you should. Maybe you should find out why you believe, why he thinks those are the best policies. Right? We've lost this in our, we just tell people why they're wrong. I have a friend on Facebook. I think I mentioned him, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, maybe last week. He's so political and everything he puts up, he says, okay, now I'm done. And it lasted like three days. And literally anybody who comes to disagree with him, he's just like, nope, you're wrong. Nope, you're wrong. Nope, you're wrong. Of course, they lead with, nope, you're wrong too. I actually wonder if this isn't part of the problem with communication on Facebook or those types of platforms is that we don't engage in the connected part of communication. We just communicate why we think the other person's wrong. One more illustration from the book that I found to be very helpful. Uh, I'm going to read two sections. First of all, and I quote here, connection and trust happen when one heart meets another. Invalidation wipes out the other heart and closes it off. Think of the context of life that change when a person has the ability to connect with the other. In business, deals are won and sales are made. Employees and employers serve each other better and disputes go away. Conflicts are resolved with contractual relationships and lawsuits are avoided. Medical malpractice lawsuits are avoided when a doctor listens and understands what the patient or family has experienced as a result of an error. In personal relationships, marriages are healed when a closed-off spouse finally hears and understands what the other has been feeling and experiencing. Wayward children are won back when they feel that their side of things is finally listened to, and vice versa. Extended family and adult children situations are restored when each begins to connect with the other. I want to rephrase that line, reemphasize that line. Adult children situations are restored when each begins to f- connect with the other. There is not a context of life where listening and connecting with the other side's reality and experience is not helpful. I'm not sure I agree with that last sentence only because I have a little bit of a contrary spirit and I can think, well, if somebody's robbing a bank, I'm not sure we need to uh, listen and connect with their side, their side of reality if someone is an active threat. But that's probably a pretty minimal interaction for most of us. Later, just a few pages later, he says this, we have all seen those instances where someone, maybe even ourselves, has said something negative like, I'm such a loser, and someone immediately comes back with, don't say that, you don't really feel that way or some other attempt to help that only drives the person further into hopelessness. The reason is that he now has two problems instead of one. He has the initial problem that he feels so negative about, and then he feels that he is all alone and has no one who truly understands. That is why people who try to help others by taking them out of what they feel are usually no help at all. It is also the reason why research has for decades proven that you can help desperate people immensely by giving them no answers at all and only giving them empathy. That makes for an interesting conversation. What do we do when we have family members that we love who are doing things that we don't agree with? Well, one of the things we do is we stop trying to win them over to our side through brilliant logic. That's one of the things. One of the other things that we do is we try to see it from their perspective as much as possible. We just stop trying to shove our view over to them and we try to see it from them. So let's just say that you've grown, you've raised your children to go to church and now they tell you they don't want to go to church with you anymore. Well, you're going to church. Well, wait, how old are they and why? Let's talk about that. Let's say you've raised like my kids. You, you have to have your phone on you. Well, I don't want it on me. Okay, tell me more about that. Tell me what you're feeling. Tell me what you're thinking. Try to understand their side of it. Give them the room to have their own beliefs and to fail and experience bad consequences. Or maybe the consequences that they want that you think are bad, but they don't. Some of those could be like life altering. Yeah, I know. It's terrifying. 
But that's connected communication. It's engaging in what the other person is feeling. So many times with couples, one of the things that I see is somebody says something, the other person just tells them why they're wrong. There's no attempt to understand what's going on on the other side of what you're saying emotionally. In, in, in therapy, I call it the eyeball test. Can you take your eyeballs out of your head and put them in the eyeballs of the person you're talking to to understand their point of view? Everybody could lead their team better than their boss until they're the boss. It's just a general rule. It's a truism. I'm sure there's somebody who's like, no, my boss does a good job and I would never want their job. But by and large, most people think I'm worth more money and I can do better than my boss until they're the boss. And then they're like, oh crap. I watch this all the time. When I used to be in the coaching world, I coached for a number of years and I would watch assistant coaches just slam their head coach. In fact, when I would interview assistant coaches, I would ask them, tell me about your last head coach. And often they would tell me, well, you know, maybe she does this well, maybe he does that well, but I could do this and I could do that. And what's hilarious, was hilarious to me at the time was they would get the job and, you know, they would end up with, oh man, or they would not do well when people would level the same criticisms towards them, toward them. That, that they used to level towards the people above them. Uh, when I worked in a hospital, we actually had a boss who's a pretty good leader. She did some things I didn't like, but by and large, she did a pretty good job. And people would just slam her. Like, like we were in the middle of a financial crisis and they were talking about how they couldn't give us a raise, but there was this and there was that. And one of the people was like, oh, so she's saying we should just be thankful to have a job. And I was like, yeah, she is and she's right. Although she, that isn't quite what she was saying, but, but we should have been. There was a financial, a lot of people wanted jobs and we had them. That's connected communication is understanding, wait, what's really going on? What am I not seeing? Now you might be, if you're quick, you might be thinking, wait, Joe, did you connected communicate with her? No, I didn't. Because if I did, I might've said, so you're frustrated that you're not getting a raise. I get that. That sucks. Build the relationship, even in disagreement. That's the point of this. That's the point of connected communication with your kids. Stop like parents for the love of God. Stop trying to control everything your kids do. Your adult children don't need you to do their laundry. They don't need you to do their homework. They don't need you to call and make their doctor's appointments. And I get it. It's scary to let them out on their own. And it's, it's scary for them. Because for the most part, we don't let kids have a whole lot of responsibility anymore. We're afraid to let them play in the backyard because somebody driving down the road might call CPS on us. Here's one of the hardest realities that I think that mother at the gym was facing. Here's one of those hard realities that, that this mother, the other mother who came to me was facing that I see a lot of parents facing. We want to raise adults, but we don't want to let our kids be adults because we know with adulthood comes pain and they have to engage in pain in order to be adults. But so we make decisions, right? So that mother's like, well, wait, I don't, I don't think Trump's the best candidate or the best president. Okay, that's fine. You're entitled to that opinion, but your son is also entitled to think that he is a good president, that his policies are good. Your, your children are, are allowed to say to you, especially when they become adults, I'm done. I don't believe that anymore. And you need to listen. You need to not tell them what they believe. You need to tell them what you believe and why you hope they'll believe it. But that's a different place. Now, I'm not saying like, you know, I got a 12 year old. Well, dad, I'm going on dates. No, you're not. I'm going to end up there, right? Well, why? Why do you think you should go on dates? She actually didn't tell me this, but I'm just trying to pick something, right? So if she says, hey, I want to go on dates. I'm going to go on a date with so-and-so to the movies, just me and him. Or my 13 year old, one of her friends is, is going on dates all the time. And I don't think she should be. So my daughter and I talk about it. My daughter's like, no, you're just being overprotective. Okay, tell me why you think that. And she does. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I, and so I mirror it and we go back and forth. I'm like, so you're saying you think I'm being overprotective because 
dot, dot, dot. And then I have to engage her. And at the end, I still get to say, okay, I, I can appreciate that, but you're not going on dates. But I don't tell her what she thinks or feels or believes. I tell her what I think, feel, or believe and why I think, feel, or believe that. Now, there's a danger here because a lot of us don't know why we think, feel, or believe what we think, feel, or believe. And so when our kids ask us why we think, feel, or believe what we think, feel, or believe, we get angry because how dare they disagree with us when we haven't really formed out our own beliefs. And we cover that anger with intensity. And so, and we're all, like, we're all, oh man, what am I trying to say here? We are all susceptible to this. We are all susceptible to the idea that we have unformed beliefs, that we have un, you know, we, we haven't fleshed out our ideas and our beliefs. We've just lived by them. And, and our kids are probably the best mirror to cause this or our, you know, emotionally connected people in our lives, our spouses, our adult parents, our adult children, our younger children. And especially as they lean into teenage years and later teen years in college, they start to stretch their arm. They start to have different values. And one of the things that happens is sometimes they have values that we taught them by living. So for instance, let's say that you, you said your value or, well, you know what, we'll make it less personal. Let's say that you and I knew someone named Fred and Fred said he had a value of helping people less fortunate than him. But when the neighbor came over to borrow the mower, he said no, because you only have one mower. When somebody asked for a ride to work, he said no, because you gotta, you know, he's got to get to work on time. When somebody said, could I borrow a TI-84 calendar, uh, calculator because the current prices require a right arm and a left leg, and I only have two legs and two arms. He said no, because he had to buy his. What he's actually teaching his children is not care for people less fortunate than him or care for people who have needs. He's teaching them selfishness. And then often what will happen is when Fred's kids become adults, they're selfish and he's shocked by it. (gasps) I have selfish children. Yes, you do, Fred. Because you raised them that way. Because you had selfish values. And it becomes a difficult thing. One of the hardest questions that we have to face is what actions am I living that are different than the stated values I have to my children, to the people that I say that I love. And this becomes very difficult. This becomes very painful because it requires change and all change is loss and almost all loss is painful. Okay, so how does this work? Like, okay, so great, we've got this podcast and I've got this episode and and I actually didn't go on one of the rants that I thought I was gonna go on about urban cohorts because I hate urban cohorts. Um, actually, that's not true. I hate the idea where's a rural cohort? I asked that on Facebook one time. I'm like, has anybody ever heard of a rural cohort? What about the poor people that live in rural areas, country areas? But we're not going to go on that rant. I actually deleted out another rant that I went on. Uh, tried to delete out the gaps. I've talked about connected communication, the dangers in telling our kids they don't believe this, they do believe this, the dangers in telling your spouse, your employees, your coworkers, your boss, anybody, well, you don't believe that or don't say that or just invalidating what they say. Cutting at the, the core of connectedness, of communication, is this invalidation. So great, well, how do we correct it? How do we fix it? Well, one of the things that we do is we try to have our first response out of our mouth. And I got to tell you, this is hard. I fail at it regularly. But we try to have the first response out of our mouth be something along the lines of, are you saying, so you're saying this, or you feel this, right? So if somebody says, well, I don't like baseball because it's boring. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's boring. Instead, I might say, so you don't like baseball because you just feel like you can't follow the action. It's, there's not enough action for you. 
I can see how that would be uh, something that you might not like, right? Because if you don't see the action, then it's not like we were talking about we being some therapists and friends and I were talking about what do you do in a hospital when somebody perceives a danger that you don't see? I understand you're afraid. I understand that you, you see fear here. You see danger here. And you don't use the word but. But's a killer. You can use the word and, and I want you to know that I think you're safe. Could you tell me why you think you're in danger? Could you tell me the danger you see? Your kids, let's just say your your 18-year-old kid comes to you and says, I'm going to start vaping. Or you find a vape kit. Is that what they call them? A jewel in their, in their dresser drawer. You're just putting their laundry away. Which would beg the question, why the heck are you putting your 18-year-old's laundry away? But that's another day. Well, what, what, wait, what are you doing? Why are you jeweling? We don't jewel in this family. That's typically how that conversation goes. Instead, hey, I found a jewel the other day. I was putting your laundry away. Which begs the question, why am I putting your laundry away? You're 18. But I found this jewel. Can you tell me about it? Oh, it's nothing. No, no, no. Tell me about it. Tell me why you... Like, why is it there? Is it yours? Is it a friend's? Now, here's the thing. You don't have to support bad habits. Take away privileges. That's fine. But have a conversation that leads with, tell me why. Get to the why. Ask the why. If they say, I don't know, make a suggestion and say, what do you think about that? If, if they say, I don't know, you might say, well, I was wondering if it isn't this. That's the heart of con- connected communication. Not just what, but can you tell me why? So your son says, I'm going to go join the Marines. Great, tell me why. Your son says, I'm going to go join the Peace Corps. Great, tell me why. Your daughter tells you that she's going to shave her head and get a Harley Davidson tattoo on the crown of her head. Okay, tell me why. What's going on? What, what, what are you hoping to gain by that? What are you hoping to do? This does two things, especially with our kids, it does two things. One, it, does, it, it connects you with them. It helps you try to understand their emotion that is underneath whatever it is they're saying. Number two, it helps them to think better. That's not something we talk a lot about in our society. We don't think very well. If I feel it, it's true. Well, why? Uh, the, the Gillette commercial that came out. Some people see it and they're like, it's just calling men to be better men. Other people see it and it's offensive and it's a moral lecture. Well, why? Why? Your child comes to you and says they don't want to go to church anymore and you've raised them to go to church. Well, why? Well, it's not that I don't want to go to church anymore. I just don't want to go to this church or I don't find value in it. Okay, here's the second question. So first we try to get to their emotions. We try to get to the why And then we ask them, well, what would it look like to get whatever it is that you're wanting if they're stopping something? Or if they're starting something new, you might say, what is the cost? Right? Teaching them to think about what they want, what they think they're going to get for it, what they think they're going to pay. What's the cost? What is it that you're hoping to get? What do you think the cost for that is? I knew a a young man. I don't know why I'm picking on guys today. Guys, I apologize, but... Uh, I, I knew a young man who just dropped out of school because, quote, school wasn't for him. And he wanted to be in business. He wanted to be in business. So he went and worked for his dad who had a great business. His dad sold the business. And he didn't like the new ownership, so he left. Now he's 30, 32, and he doesn't have a job because he didn't go to school and people aren't hiring for him. Now, that doesn't mean 
that everybody who doesn't go to school isn't going to have a job. He just didn't think through everything, all the possibilities. And even when he quit his job, one of the things I said to him, well, what happens if you don't find a job? I'll find a job. I've got eight years experience. Yes, but you've got eight years experience working for your dad. People are going to discount that. Well, that's not fair. That's true, but fair is a place where you pay people to pet pigs. And unless you see pigs around, stop expecting fair. It's real life. Now, he didn't get mad. He didn't leave. We had a great conversation. In fact, he paid for my coffee. Because that we had a connected conversation that dealt with what, why, like what's the emotions underneath it, and then what's the cost? What is it that you're saying? I want to make sure I understand that before I say anything else. What is it that you're doing? I want to make sure that I understand that before anything else. Can you tell me why you're doing that? Why you're saying that? Why you believe that? Help me understand your reasonings. Help me understand your emotional payoffs. Help me understand your emotions underneath this. What do you see this activity costing you? What do you see this activity, uh, this belief uh, costing you? Not just what do you see it creating for you, but what do you see it costing you? I have people tell me all the time, I want to have a weekly podcast. Awesome. I got to tell you, it's one of the most frustrating things to get into my week. Because I don't have a sound room. So I have all the reasons. I know why I want to do it. I know what I want to do. Uh, By and large, I know the episodes that I want to have. I have a a whole slew of those things. But I don't have a sound room. So one of the things that's difficult is where do I find time? I could come in on Saturday and Sunday and do it. But then I'm not with my family during those times. If I'm here in the morning early enough, I get a little bit of time before people get here. But we're a busy office. People talk. And that's part of it. So I got to go out and be like, hey, could I steal 15 minutes? And they've got to be like, what a jerk. Or, yeah, sure, I get it. And they give me 15 minutes and they're very gracious, right? It goes both ways. That connected communication, though, I could walk out and be like, in fact, there was a time that I was upset and I did this. It was dumb. What I did was dumb. Right, trying to find the space. And so I would say to him, okay, great, where are you going to do it? I don't know. Where are you going to do it at home? Yeah, you got a dog? Yes. How are you going to keep the dog from barking? I don't know. Got to work that out. Here's the, here's the next question. What are things that might happen that you're not thinking about? This is good thinking, right? So you want to teach your kids. What are things that might happen that you're not thinking about? And that doesn't mean you won't do it. It just means how are you going to account for those possibilities? How are you going to mitigate your risk there a little bit? Right? So what do you want to do? Tell me why. Tell me more about it. What would it look like to get whatever you want a different way? Is that a possibility? What do you think it's going to cost you? Why do you want to do it? Right? We kind of weave these questions in and out. And then you've got to ask yourself some hard questions. So what if they do this? So what if my daughter shaves her head and gets a Harley Davidson tattoo on the, on the crown of her head? What if my son marries a girl that I'm not sure I like? What if my daughter drops out of college? What if my spouse says that they want to buy a hotel in the Bahamas? And you got to start running those out. That's a whole nother episode, the what if game. The what if, so what, and the five wise games all put together. We're going to talk about that in another episode. But you have to ask yourself, how am I communicating with the people I love? Am I doing it in a connected way? And I've I've hopefully shared with you some ideas here on how you can be connected to them. Or am I doing it in an invalidating totalitarian way? And which way do I want to do it? All right, so hopefully this episode is helpful to you. Another episode that went a little long. I do apologize. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. 
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. Give us a rating on the iTunes store. And if you have a question for a future show, feel free to send us an email at info at joemartino.com. You can also go to joemartino.com and click on the contact me page. Until next time, remember, change possible.